Hello, welcome back to the Book of Medora. It's me, Crystal. With me, as always, is Monica. Hello. And Cameron. Hi. Last we left off, everything's been going great in the kingdom. True. Everything's been getting repaired after the Calamity was killed. They smashed every sort of ancient Sheikah technology. Don't need them no more. The Calamity has been defeated for good. It'll never come back. Nope. But oh no, uh... Weird, weird smoke? Smokes. They're coming out of the ground. Would you define it as a smoke or like a, I guess it's not goopy. I don't call it goopy. No, I I think that it's definitely a mist, the stuff that Zelda and Link go to investigate. Mist is a type of goop. It's just diffuse. (laughs) Diffuse goop. Yes. That's right. The ground goop is the one that makes people sick to touch, but the mist is less dangerous somehow. It's it's coming out of the bottom of the castle, and everybody's a bit worried. So Zelda and Link, after having found a passage down there, go go down there. Crystal, what do you make of the opening of this game? Like, I, like I know that it's been oh god, three months since this game came out, and uh, two months since we started recording this shit. But um, h- how did you find this opening as a person who'd been waiting six years since the end of Tears of the, uh, Breath of the Wild? It's one of those openings where I like the bareness of it. I like if there's not a big intro cutscene. You just start out and you're in the cave. Yeah, and you're just you're walking with Zelda. You have all of your your hearts and your stamina, and the small text Tears of the Kingdom appears on the screen, and it's like wow. Now. Where did Link get those extra hearts? Well, he has... Oh. Can you explain what you mean? You can't get all the hearts and all the stamina in Breath (laughs) of the Wild, even if you do all the shrines. That's true. You will always be missing... Is it two hearts? Something like that, Or three. So, has he just been doing push-ups? He got a little bit stronger. He has it in him. The Master Sword is pretty much repaired. True. So, has he just, what do you think, Crystal? Do you, is it possible that he's just been exercising and eating right? You're suggesting that five years of push-ups can get you three extra hearts. Yes. Yeah, basically, I guess. Right. So, one of the shrines is equivalent to, uh, <laughs> to one, one third of that. Well, one of the shrines is equal to one quarter of one third. So, so one shrine is 
worth like just under six months of good hard exercise and monster killing. That's right. That makes sense to me. Does it? Uh Uh-huh. Man, I wish I had some shrines around here. God damn. (laughs) So 10,000 years of intense fasting and prayer is equal to six months of push-ups. Uh-huh. In terms of physical ability, sure. Sure. Okay. I guess that checks out. Yeah. Let's keep that in mind for the future. Yeah. For our own personal uh, regimens. Wait, what are you talking about? Just in case we ever need to do any calculations of like spiritual power versus physical power. (laughs) Oh, God. Why do I feel like this is coming up to somewhere specific? Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, Sheikah sitting around for 10,000 years is roughly equivalent to just under under six months of adventuring and exercise. That's right. Do we think that Lincoln Zelda traveled down... Across a great luminous bridge with a Don Don. A luminous By which I mean bridge. a trailer. That's right, because there's no Don Don with them. There's no Don Don. Yeah, they're they're down in a part where it wouldn't be reasonable to bring the little wide guys. They have to send the Don Don back up? Well, or at least, like, leave it behind at a spot that makes sense for it to be. It does eat luminous stones and poop out gems, so I'm sure it's very happy down there. I guess so. I guess it's a good place to live. Yeah, leave leave it to... Well, I mean, they are planning to come back along the same route. Yes. Okay, it's just parking it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Hopefully it's okay. It has a, a source of water, plenty of food. It should be all right. There's no monsters down here that they're aware of. But this would imply that they took a different path down than the spiral staircase inside of the castle. Does it? Can you walk a down don down those stairs? I mean, you can walk a horse down those stairs in this game. I've never tried. Well, I mean, you could take a horse up and down stairs. Yes, you can. So, yes. Okay. But, Crystal, do you think that that happened? Did they take the don don? Yeah, I guess they must have taken the don don. <laughs> because, like, you have to go down kilometers to get as deep as they went, right? Right, yes. And this is in a game where the scale of distance is not consistent, but still quite a bit larger than the just the meters on the map indicates. Mm-hmm. And Link probably wasn't crawling around like a gremlin, especially, I mean, Zelda's right there, so they had to take a slightly different pathway down. Well, what I mean is that if you're going down that far, you have to bring supplies. Yeah, that's true. And I think that bringing a pack animal that can eat rocks yeah. makes perfect sense. Okay. But Crystal, d- d- describe that descent for us, because this is a cool sequence. There's not that much to the descent in the game, really. You just walk through the caves, and then you find the murals of the imprisoning war. And then you walk deeper into a cave, and there starts being some gloom. And you walk further down and the gloom gets more and more intense until you find a big opening into an enormous cavern where there's a hand on Ganondorf. Considering that that's only like five minutes, I'd actually argue that that's quite a lot going on in that opening. Uh, Zelda drops the term Zonai when inspecting some ruins. and I think we all kind of... Yeah. Is the term pogged? Pogged. There was pogging. There was pogging. they they were just going to do that right then. And it was like, okay, this is the game. But this isn't the spot where Crystal got excited. 
No? We, we all kind of expected this. It's the first time that Zonai is used in the text of the games, I think. This is like... Yes. This is... Uh, Tears of the Kingdom is like Super Metroid in that it is where the Zonai are canonized, much like where the Chozo began to exist. <laughs> the Chozo are not in Super Metroid. Yeah, but they use the term Super Metroid in the manual. Or, sorry, Chozo in the manual. Okay. I just I realized when to- she said the imprisoning war. Tr- true. Yes. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yes. That, At the murals. Yeah. That I think that the entire like fandom that's tuned into the timeline heard imprisoning war and just went, oh my god. Zelda does remark at this along this time that the king Rome told her that nobody really knew what was underneath the castle. That seeing it for themselves or discussing the matter was forbidden. And this warning has been passed down through her family for as long as anyone could remember. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah, I would try to pass down all the details about it. Yeah. It seems like probably a king implemented that policy somewhere in the past. I have two theories about that. Uh, One is that Rome, not being a queen of Hyrule, just never got privy to the deep, dark secrets of what's underneath the castle. And he just assumed Zelda shouldn't be allowed to know either? No, he just doesn't know. It was just never passed. It's like, as far as memory goes back is as far as Rome knows. <laughs> as far as memory goes back, nobody knows because that's what the queens said. But they passed the knowledge along To each themselves. other. Yes. Their husbands never know. Right. Alternatively, um... I think that the only reasonable way a policy like that would be set is if once knowledge spread that Gandorf was down there, the some sort of Yiga clan equivalent started to try to raid into the castle to break him free. So that's why they had to keep it very secret. I don't know. That's a good point. The Yiga clan would try to bust him. Yes. Yeah. Guys do be trying to free Ganon for some reason. Crystal, what do you think is the more likely explanation? Is it a kingly fuck-up or an actual bit of like, oh, that makes sense? When you consider the Yiga clan, I guess it makes sense. Although, the Yiga clan is a post-calamity development. Yes. That's very true. So maybe it only got secret after that. 10,000 years is a good amount of time to forget everything. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Did the other peoples of Hyrule not know about this? Did they not have their own, like, stories of the King of Light sealing the Demon King beneath the Earth? They knew of... Go ahead. We don't see any, do we? I think there's mention of, like, the Calamity. No, not the Calamity. I'm not talking about the Calamity. I'm talking about Demon King Ganon. Demon King. I don't know if there's any references to... Because they were all involved. Crystal's right. We don't see any. Right. Urbosa has knowledge of at least one of the times in which he was a Grudo guy. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. I no longer think that Urbosa is referring to the Demon King Ganondorf, by the way. Who's she referring to? Probably Ganondorf Dragmire. That makes sense. It's so hard to say for sure. <laughs> but Crystal, what do we find in this big open space where there's all this light and shit? Well, Urbosa's line, if we go back to it... Oh, boy. Does seem to work very well with our puppet Ganon theory. Okay, okay, okay. Now, keep in mind, our listeners may not be privy to this as such because we've been talking a lot since the last time we recorded an episode. What's the line? Oh, the line. Li- the, 
the exact line? Yes. Oh, sorry, I thought you were looking. No, we're not talking about the line. We're talking about the puppet Ganon theory. Oh, yes. Our propaganda theory is a theory that the Ganondorf of the previous games is Phantom Ganon slash Puppet Ganon slash Calamity Ganon. That stands to reason. Like, we're, we're basically divorcing them from the direct influence of the Demon King Ganondorf. Puppet I- is like Pinocchio. He came to life, and he's actually been much more active than the so-called original. The, the big- dream can exceed the dreamer. Exactly. Some difference may have been that this Ganondorf was born through Twin Rova and so became uh, a Twin Rova as the blue th- fairy through the oldest magic, which is birth. And Urbosa identifying the the Gerudo, the Calamity taking the form of the Gerudo, seems to line up with the idea that the Calamity and the Ganondorf of other games are one. Yes. it It seems like... Instead of the Calamity being the echo of a scream from the Demon King Ganondorf, based on how we're looking at it now, the Calamity is a natural result or a later stage of growth for Ganondorf Dragmire. Yes. That's going to be an interesting elaboration. Yes. I think that like the full talk about it can probably wait until we get to the final battle, but that's where we're generally at. Other things of note on the way down, uh, Zelda has a Pura pad, which is now a Switch. Yes, she does have, they they destroyed, or it destroyed itself, the Sheikah Slate, and now she has the uh, uh, Sheikah Slate 2.0, which is the Pura pad. What did you want to say beyond no, that, no, girl? That's it. <laughs> I, Crystal, I need to convey to you the way that she's just staring at me <laughs> blankly as if expecting me to continue. Did you expect her to say more? No, I'm just trying to think of other things. Crystal, did you expect Monica to say more? No, I thought she was done. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, okay. I was expecting too much. Let's go look at the mummy. Yeah, Crystal, tell us about the mummy. The mummy is emaciated and dry. It seems like if you poked him, he would just crumble into dust. And he's being held down by a glowing hand with a bunch of bright spiraling magic spiraling upwards. And as soon as Link and Zelda approach, the mummy seems to stir and awaken. Now, is there any particular trigger to this? A weird, funny, glowy stone falls off. (laughs) That's true. A weird, funny, glowy stone does fall off. Of what? A a severed arm. There's a severed arm? Oh my god. But what triggers that? I can play that clip. Let's see. I've actually got it up here now. The light coming out of Raru's arm, uh, or rather the severed arm, is a lot more white to blue to green. Like, there's a much more pronounced gradient than in the first trailer. Mm-hmm. And it's like, as soon as they walk up to it, the arm just collapses and falls off of Ganondorf's chest. And the stone that was embedded on the back of the hand bounces off and lands at Zelda's feet. There doesn't seem do we, to be a trigger for the hand falling. Do we think that Rora was just hanging on until that very moment and they came at the, the pivotal time? Or is this like some sort of weird manipulation? What do you mean? Manipulation. Of the gods. Oh, I see. Crystal, what do you think? So 
if Ra- if you're saying Rauru was hanging on into this moment, mm-hmm. are you suggesting that the arm chose to let go at this moment? It, yes, either one, or something chose to set it. Or the gods chose to let it go. Yes. My read of it is that this is just the very limit of what Raru was capable of. The end of exhaustion. So A. I think that it's mentioned somewhere later in the game. Um, It may be when examining the mural while talking to Impa. That the prison of the Demon King was damaged when the calamity was unleashed a hundred years ago. Mm. So that part of the seal may have been broken. So Raru is suddenly fighting to hold on to Ganondorf. This destruction of Raru's body may have happened in the last hundred years. Him holding down Ganondorf in parallel with Zelda holding down the calamity. Interesting. And this moment is when his strength just gives out. And he has nothing left, and he is gone. That just happens to be at the exact moment that Link and Zelda approach. Well, his weakening is what results in the gloom rising to the surface, right? Right. So that weakening is also why Zelda and Link head down. There's always this interesting element of, like, predestination or determination, but still having a sliver of freedom in the Zelda series. Yes. I, I think that another way to look at it is that whatever part of Raru's consciousness is still in the arm, maybe it recognizes a greater light power than itself and it collapses, recognizing that it can pass on the burden. And transfer over the gummy. The Sure. What do you or, think of that, Crystal? Or because uh, Zelda has already told Rauru about this moment. Mm. So he knows that this is the moment that he's supposed to let go. Yes. I I guess that's true. <laughs> that is very true. Okay, so Zelda picks up the gummy, Chris. Are you watching the cutscene? Yes. Okay, so what happens when she picks up the jewel? The mummy starts convulsing and turns its head around to Zelda and its eyes glow red and it explodes into gloom and eats all of Link's hearts except three. It goes for Zelda first, which is very funny. That's right. I mean, I would ju- jumps in the way to protect Zelda. He manages to parry that first one with the Master Sword. And then I guess he's not ready for the attack because he's not swinging. Oh, that Master Sword doesn't like what happens, huh? It just crawls up the sword, which you don't expect of your opponents, I guess. What happens in April? Link's entire arm gets eaten along with the Master Sword. And Link tries to throw the sword at the mummy but it breaks along the mass of gloom and a little shard of the sword just barely manages to cut the mummy's cheek. It's interesting to me that you read that as a throw. You don't think that's a throw? I think he's swinging. He's still holding on to the the hilt, I think. Oh, that's right. The hilt has not left his hand. It's just very throw, throw throw-tastic. Man, that that little shard just flies straight, right? That thing's traveling at like the speed of sound. (laughs) Yes. It leaves the big bubbly wound on its side. That means there's still shards of the Master Sword down here. Yeah. Though, maybe once they're removed from the main body, they're most... Well, no. If they were just rendered to basic metal, then they wouldn't have been able to cut Ganondorf's face, huh? That's right. So you could gather them back up, but there's there's chunks that are just burnt out. Now, 
Crystal, will you do me a huge favor and read what the mummy says here? <laughs> sure. You who carry... Hold on. Was that the sword that seals the darkness? A blade that shatters so easily against my power cannot save you from me. Zelda, you who carries that fragile sword, our link. Frauru placed his faith in you, and this was the best you could do? Yeah, and I think at that moment, Crystal, isn't the Raru name where you really lost your shit? <laughs> That's right. I, I was so pogged that they were bringing back Rauru. I thought uh, that they meant the orange man. God, I, I, I think that all three of us experienced that moment at least a little bit thinking about how the other two would react to it. Yes, I did think that. <laughs> I thought, oh, Monica... And Crystal are going to laugh their asses off. I Cameron's going to be so pissed off. <laughs> that did happen. Cameron did get pissed off a little bit. What did you think he was talking about? I, I, ha I, I immediately assumed that Dragon Bunny Daddy had to be Raru. <laughs> he had to be. There was no fucking way they brought back the Orange Man. Really? Yeah. Because I thought they were signaling this is... This is Ocarina of Time Ganon, who was sealed by Rauru. Oh, wow. With a power greater than time and the Master Sword. <laughs> That's right. And this is, this is just another branch. God, the third Ocarina of Time branch. That really That's would have fucked up all of the timeline theories just instantly. Really do, do we feel like this is an impressive speech? <laughs> I was impressed by it. I think the line was that the sword, a blade that shatters so easily against my power cannot say cannot save you from me is a good fucking uh, sentence fragment. It reminded me of Wind Waker when Ganondorf talks about only a sword that sparkles or whatever sparkles <laughs> sparkles with the light to defeat evil. It, it was reminiscent of that to me. They could have said glimmer. Or shine or all kinds of shit, but it was sparkle. I also like the sense of, oh, you had a million years to prepare for me, and you're not prepared at all. You have nothing. Nope. Yeah, that's Liara thing has sent the message about the Reapers, and you're still not prepared. <laughs> I guess that's kind yeah, that's kinda like that, except that like in the in-between times, the double super Satan Reapers have been fighting the galaxy the entire time. Yeah, see, that's why I would not leave it up to chance. Yeah, I understand. It's just that, like, it, his reaction here speaks to how limited his perspective is, because he's not sure if that's the sword that seals the darkness, which suggests that he has no awareness of the passage of the past million billion years. Nope. He's only 30 years old. God. Isn't that something? The idea that this grave ultimate demon king who according to this story may or may not be the origin of all demons and i'll have more to say on that much later um just is so far removed from the entire rest of the series he's a baby it makes him feel like a one game villain because he is he is a baby but he's he does so junior compared to all the other games <laughs> he does uh make the castle fly that is the next thing he does yes Crystal, tell us about what the castle flying and the big evil thing he does here. 
Uh, Zelda gets cast into a pit and Link just barely hangs on. And the castle is raised into the air as mysterious blocks fall from the sky as all the Hillians observe with the wonder and amazement and fear. I have the feeling that if Link was able to reach her, he would do the same thing as the ending and try to, like, hold her from hey, can we, We'll leave that. Listen. Okay, I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. What? I'm assuming everybody's played. No. <laughs> no? No, actually. Okay. Apologies. If we tell them that we're going to talk about things okay. chronologically, yes, we're okay. going to do it. Fine. Crystal, you mentioned Zelda falling. What happened? Zelda falls into a big hole because all the ground crumbles beneath her because Ganon fell even deeper into a hole. Right. And Link tried to jump after her, but he just couldn't reach her in time. Their hands don't touch. No, their hands don't touch. Hands touching is a big theme of this game, just like <laughs> Fable 3. But this time, Link was just a little too short. The failure of the short king. What happens to Zelda as she falls? She is bathed in the mysterious golden light and disappears. She goes, whoo, gone. She's gonna be taken back to the past. The arm knows where to take Link. Yes. Did the arm fly Link... 600,000 meters into the sky? It must be. Could well be. I mean, who else could do it? Is that, is that why Rauru needed to let go? Because like, okay, I need to have just enough. I need to use all the rest of my strength to fly Link up. It's very possible. Uh, there is one other thing he does that's very interesting here, and we'll get into it um, after this sequence. But yes, I think that he does... Uh, I mean, there's a flash of light, so maybe they teleport. They but, teleport. But Raru doesn't have teleportation powers. He sure doesn't. He relies on Zelda for that shit. Well, he, they rely on the Purapat for that. After all that's over and Zelda has vanished back into episode one of this podcast, which I will remind everyone <laughs> is four fucking episodes ago. <laughs> um, wait, no. It's only three episodes ago because we didn't get to Zelda appearing until episode two. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. What the hell were we even talking about? There was a lot to cover. I don't believe you. I don't believe that there was that much to cover. Okay. Okay. So, so, so Link gets lifted into the bright flash of light. What, what happens? Then the arm starts attaching itself to Link's broken arm. Did the arm have to sever Link's other arm, or is there a fusion? I guess it's a fusion, right? I, I saw a very funny comic someone drew where the arm basically picks up Link by the damaged arm, shakes him a bit to break the connection, and then fuses itself. With the ultra hand fused. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. I think his damaged arm is kind of, kind of there. I think it's gone. You think it's gone? I okay. think that it's gone and that Raru's arm reshapes itself through the fuse technique mm -hmm. the same way that any material you fuse onto a weapon will be resized to fit. Okay. That's what I think. I think that Link's other arm is gone. It's basically dust. Then Raru says, ah, Link, finally you wake I've heard a great deal about you from Zelda. Your wounds were severe. I am relieved to see you escape death. Your arm, however, was beyond saving. I had to replace it, lest the injury endanger you further. Now, at first, I thought this he was talking about a different Zelda. <laughs> you thought, what? 
I thought he was talking about Ocarina of Time, Zelda. Oh, that... That'd be cool. That'd be some bad shit. Damn, Crystal, you were writing a, a second-tier brain blast version of this game. That's right. But now Link's in a cave somewhere, and at first it just seems like he's still underground, but it turns out he's in the dang Sky Islands. He's very in the dang Sky Island. What is the first thing he does once he gets up, though? Picks up the Master Sword. How the fuck did the Master Sword get up there? He didn't Wait, have it in his hands it? when he leapt for Zelda. Yeah, his hands were empty. Huh, I guess the Master Sword got caught in the light. Hmm. Raru's hand is all encompassing. I wonder, is it also possible that Raru, as the husband of a Hylian queen, has the equivalent of the spirit of the hero that he is worthy to wield the Master Sword? You're saying, Do we think he's worthy? Wait, 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 it's not like Mjolnir. <laughs> you can pick it up. No, you can't. What? What you, are you talking about? Only those with the soul of the hero may wield the master sword. You're saying you can't lift it if you're not the hero? You can't even touch it. You can't even touch it? That's in the text of Skyward Sword. It's been a long time since then. That's like a fully powered sword, right? This is powered down. This is like a third of the sword. <laughs> There's a reason that the only person to ever hold the Master Sword besides Link is Zelda. Mm-hmm. You're saying Zelda's a Link. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Also, the enchantment is hers in the first place. I never had the impression that you couldn't even... How, how did they forge the Master Sword in A Link to the Past? It's a great question. I, I guess it... I mean, if you uh, want to be real they hammer about it, it to improve it to make Link it better, put it down, and then a bunch of guys hammered at it. You can hammer at the sword. <laughs> you can hammer, okay, the sword. but they couldn't. They couldn't move it at all. No, <laughs> I mean, you never see it move until they give it back to you. That, they how do they give it back to you? Uh, you they didn't. You pick it up. <laughs> uh huh. Okay, for real though, it's a it's a retcon. Skyward Sword created a retcon because in Ocarina of Time, it's just no evil hand may touch it, right? Yeah, it's the Blade yeah. of Evil's Bane. Literally, if you're evil, you can't touch it. That Yes, I, I agree with that. But in Skyward Sword, they changed that so that only Link, that is only one with the soul of the hero, can touch it. What if you have teleportation powers? It's a great question. It's a fantastic question. Part of me wondered if this is just like, did Raru take Link over to a small part of shit i don't know it's this this, is the castle this is is this the castle but this is the great sky island wait i do want to remark that in one of the cut scenes you do see a sliver of a sort of pyramid building in the corner when zelda's walking out of the temple of time and that's probably the castle and probably that corner of it is over here. No, you don't mean that it's Hyrule Castle that they were just beneath. You mean it's old Hyrule Castle yes. from before the War of the Demon King. And I think that's why Raru would, would think to come here. I'm going home to somewhere probably safe. And it's just that he doesn't know this. It's in the sky. So I think he doesn't it's even know where he's going. No. I don't think he even knows that he's passing through the sacred cloud barrier. No. He's no. entering into a parallel reality without realizing that he's doing it. The filter just allows him to pass. Is it possible that the sword warped itself? Hmm. I mean, yeah. Because 
in Breath of the Wild. Oh, God. What? Go ahead. It, they coded in an exception for the Master Sword if you somehow drop it that it will warp back to the Lost Woods. Uh, have you ever seen this, Crystal? It's like people manage to fuck around with the memory caching on your inventory to allow you to drop the Master Sword on the ground, and it just flies through the sky straight back to the Lost Woods. I've never seen that one before, but that's amazing. Yeah. So, so it's, I, it's coded to fly home. Yeah, apparently. So, so wait, so that means the sword flew from 6,000 meters underground to 6,000 meters in the sky by itself. Some, yeah, something like that. With perfect yeah. navigation. I don't see why it's not. It's pink to link. They're the same B. They're specifically not the same B. No. No, but they're like kind of tied together, so. The Master Sword is uh, feminine in this one. Yes. Yeah. Can we remark just dialing back a few minutes? Ganondorf's- I'm not going back anymore. <laughs> Ganondorf's first action after like trying to sound cool is to lift up the castle and then run his ever-loving butt off. Well, how do you mean? He's He's flees flees down there because he's not at strength. He's concerned that there's more firepower elsewhere, and he runs his butt off. I don't even know if he intended to make Zelda fall. Probably not. Do you think that's a fair uh, characterization there, Crystal? I wouldn't characterize this as a retreat exactly. He is leaving, but he's leaving because he's won this battle. Oh, I see. You're saying it does come up in dialogue where he assumes that Link is dead. Fair enough. So he's going to bide his time, get stronger, and then kill everybody else. Seems that way. Okay. Returning to his little hidey hole after killing his primary opponent. I guess I just don't think very much of this guy. I mean, he is a little silly. He's kind of a silly guy. He's a little, once he started talking, I'm like, well, <laughs> the mystique is gone. So He's never put- as cool again as he is in this moment. No. I mean, I think that he's actually cooler in some of the past cutscenes. That's chronologically earlier. Yeah, the okay, yeah. Oh all right. Past this moment he's never this cool again. <laughs> chronologically, the fucking chronological storytelling in this shit. This room is called the Room of Awakening. This was built for Link to awaken in. Yep. But he doesn't have a bed. Yeah, they really didn't. And they only gave him pants. They didn't give him a shirt this time. Oh, that's just his drawers. No, there's a chest with... with Oh, with the tunic bottom? Yeah. The skirt? Right. But Zelda knew that this guy likes to run around kind of bare bones, so no shirt required. (laughs) They couldn't give him a cot? No. No. How long was he up here? That's a great question. That is a good question. It feels like weeks based on dialogue that you get a little bit later. But also, they could have been many days going down into the depths beneath Hyrule Castle. Mm-hmm. And the fusing looks like it wasn't instant. It was like knitting back together. So, How long do you think it was, Crystal? Two months. Two months? <laughs> I don't know. It just it feels to me like it's been a little while since the upheaval. It has been. It has been. You know what? I reacted really loudly just there, but maybe you're right. That's not unreasonable. And then we give another month of wandering around the Great Sky Island. What? <laughs> I don't know. How long do you think this takes? I I had a question I wanted to ask, but I've completely <laughs> fucking forgotten now. I think oh. once Link has woken up, everything's real time. 
It took however long it took you. Okay. Everything's real in-game time. So how, however many in-game days it took you is like how long it took. So yeah. we'll say it takes anywhere between four days to a week for some players. Yes. Maybe that's a good median amount. Some people will spend a lot longer. They might spend two weeks. They might spend a month up here. I like that Zelda and Minoru clearly knew that Link would have the arm and plan for that because all of the chests are tied to Raru's arm uh, and all the the gates and seals and so on. But and I think that they didn't really know how much he would know or remember because this is a tutorial area. And they're like, what if Link wakes up and he's amnesia, amnesic again? We would not want him to be amnesic again. Let's teach him about how to roast apples. That seems correct. <laughs> Crystal, you played this whole game in English, right? That's right. Well, firstly, rip. But uh, secondly, you didn't play Fire Emblem Three Houses yet, right? No, I haven't. Okay. Because if you had, I don't know how well you would have been able to play through this in English. Because uh, Raru's voice is just Dimitri bladed, punished Dimitri over here. And it's the same exact character voice. And I... It freaked out my brain every time I heard it in English. So I had to play in Japanese or Spanish or French or something. You didn't want to hear Dimitri. It's not that I didn't want to. It's that it caused a visceral reaction where in my head it felt like Dimitri was wearing a fursuit. <laughs> okay. It felt like Dimitri was pretending to be this guy named Raru. He is. Oh. There's a lot of issues with that one. <laughs> when, when Link jumps off and the the title drops the logo title drops it's a great title card drop i cried i mean it's very cry? good it's really it's good just, it's wonderful you you see the dragon in the background yeah that's uh, right she's right there the whole time there, yeah there she is you look at her and you're like wait that's not natra that is what we said yeah some kind of light dragon it's skyward sword of the wild it is actually skyward sword i cannot fucking believe three years late no four years later i still can't believe they just gave you that fucking joke that you made as a full-blown biggest zelda game ever produced i feel like it's even more than that because thematically it's got the same structure as skyward sword you link failed in an action and the entire game is to fix that one action that you missed wait what did skyward sword link fail Catch Zelda? What? Are you from the Black Tornado? Yeah. Yeah, he failed to catch Zelda. I guess so. <laughs> Yeah, I would identify this game as practically a remake of Skyward Sword. Yeah. Mm. Like, th this to me is not that different from, like, Resident Evil 3 remake. Ooh. Okay, can you expand on that? It's, you know, basically the same story, but with uh, completely new gameplay. So this is like Resident Evil 3 Remake without the ovipositing. That's right. <laughs> I still can't fucking believe they put that in Resident Evil 3. Some guy had a good day. Some guy had way too good a series of days animating that sequence, yes. So Link wanders around. Uh, Crystal, did you smash the Master Sword permanently? <laughs> no, I, I was very careful with it. Oh, I wanted to well, keep it around as long as I could. Well, see, I... I, I the, when I first started off, I assumed that the Master Sword in its broken state, they were like 
giving you a one strength weapon that would never break. Yes, to overcome the Breath of the Wild uh, anger. It's like, okay, kids, here's a one strength <laughs> weapon you can always use. I smashed it on a, on a tree and then... She sure did. I waited. <laughs> I kept oh. waiting. Oh. <laughs> I got felt, you. They got me. I felt pretty bad. That's what you get for your meta thinking. I just smashed it against a guy. Oops. <laughs> well, and it was like the first action I took. I'm like, oh, wow. They gave us a one damage sword throughout the entire game. Time let's check the recharge wood. time. Bonk, bonk, ploop. Yeah. See, I didn't go, let's check the recharge time. I just broke it. And then about 45 minutes later, I went, huh, it hasn't come back yet. Better check. And I, uh-oh. <laughs> So how to give up? So does that mean Fee dies? Um, she's very tired and has to lie down now. Yeah, like Link cannot use it or doesn't want to use it anymore. It has completely expended all of its sacred energy. How did so get up she's here? Not, she's not dead, but she's in a coma for sure. Where is she? She's in the sword. She's still there. Where's the sword? It's in your inventory, it, but it yes. can't be used. Okay. It's like totally. I wonder, I can't remember if the title of it changed, but it's it's destroyed. So you still have it by the end of the game. Yes. And you that still have it to hand it off in a little while. It's just, that means there's two Master Swords. If no, just, no, you don't have it at the end of the game. It leaves your inventory at the end of the Great Sky yes. Island sequence. Yes. Okay. As so there, you there are two Master you, Swords existing, though. Oh, yeah, there's... Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yes. But we've known that the entire time. Wandering around, and there's tutorial robots around, and one of them hands you the Pura Pad, which was entrusted by 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 Zelda. Yes, I think this is the moment when Minoru should have actually spoken up to Link because she's in the pad. Minoru has the guiding voice. Yes, but things are holding her back. Yeah, things like them wanting Raru to be the guiding voice. Oh, I don't mean... Crystal, guess, would you have been good with Mineru as the Navi of this game? That'd be neat. Yeah, I meant it in terms of story sense that Ganondorf was holding back the construction of her body and also impeding her ability to speak up. But from a game design sense, that does make sense. Like, Raru is here for such a short moment of time, and it almost would make more sense if the voice instructing you was from the Pura Pad, and then you realize, oh... They can become a robot, but they didn't go that route. Yeah, Rao showing up as a ghost this whole on the islands kind of make me thought he'd be your buddy throughout the whole game, but then he wasn't. Nope, he really fucks off. Yeah, he uh, he gets to stand around and be. And I think that his after finishing the game and seeing the rest of his story, I think that the way that Raru functions on the Great Sky Island, how he's just sort of looking back on what's changed while he's been away, because he, he wasn't privy to these plans to throw things into the sky mm-hmm. and to, like, I guess he thought that his kingdom would endure more in its own shape. So he's experiencing a kind of grief that he didn't know he would have to deal with a second time. It's like his wife was gone, but he thought he was protecting her kingdom. But now that's gone, too, in many ways. So he's just left with the ashes of his old home, watching as... Robots that served a purpose continue to do these tasks. He's actually a little bit 
unsettled by it. Yes. He pities them at the same time that he finds them vaguely, like, existentially menacing. And I think that's interesting. He's an interesting guy. Uh, The robot informs you that Zelda is in the Temple of Time. That's what the records indicate. And find Princess Zelda is the first quest. What do you what do you think of the of, of Raru's character here, Crystal? Because we, we we of course get most of it through the the past cutscenes, but our interactions with him in the current moment are limited to the Great Sky Island. What impression do you get of him? He seems like a guy who hunts and drinks beer. He doesn't seem like a king. Okay, that's why the Codex doesn't immediately identify him as the king. He's the the original holder of the left or the right arm yes that's his title the origin of the right arm yes but do, but do you think that his writing here is effective did you feel for this sad ghost yeah i liked him i wanted him to stick around for that reason yeah sad ghosts are pretty cool link goes over to the temple of time it would have been cool if pura was your um not pura Mineru was your Navi, and then she got a robot body. I feel like that would make the robot body more impactful. I think I agree. That would have been really cool. That'd be so sick. But they wanted another sad king. But I mean, like, they, they she could still, like, pop up after you leave the, the Great Sky Island. But I guess they wanted to preserve that, at least a little bit of that loneliness from Breath of the Wild. Yeah, and I guess they were sort of concerned that if they had something that was sort of you think it's like a computerized or a robot voice. That that was Fee, and people kind of didn't like Fee. I mean, it was the writing that was the problem, not the concept of the character. Like, people love Midna. Yeah, but Nintendo's really scared of being yelled at. Are they? <laughs> That's why they didn't make Wind Waker 2. And they were validated for not making Wind Waker 2. They were validated. Yeah, but it's funny that they're always... It's always rehabilitated, and it's always confirmed as a pretty good decision. Like, f- people love Fee now. Well, the Skyward Sword kitties are now the people at the forefront of the discourse. Yeah. So it Time makes, has changed. It makes sense to me. I love that the Skyward Sword kitties are now at the forefront of the discourse. They're the <laughs> ones dictating to the boomers. It's like, man, Twilight Princess was fucking boring and ugly looking. Kids, I feel ya. Um... <laughs> We're tromping over to the, the Temple of Time, called the Temple of Time, and that kind of, that was a thing. The door won't open to your arm, even though it usually should, because it uh, has lost a lot of its power, and it can only be restored by entering a place with sacred, filled with sacred light. Could the dragon have just restored the full strength of the arm? You think if, if Link just put the arm in the dragon's mouth? That would restore everything. Or if he just like took a long nap on top of her head. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a pretty long nap, but. Like a years long nap. (laughs) Maybe like a hundred thousand years. Because what what restores Link. Oh, you mean just. No, no, no. He has to get. um, It's Raru who gives him those powers back. Yes. Well, no, it's the shrines. It's entering into each shrine. It's an area filled with sacred light. Right, but each shrine is also just so happens to be uh, calibrated that it only applies the light to this arm. Yeah. And it's before you get the sacred light itself. That's true. 
Raru did that shit. Come on. He's like, okay, look, here's one. It turns out I have uh, special powers that let me shove shit together and stick a glue on them. Here, you can use it now. That's Raru. Crystal, do you feel like Raru had all of those abilities? I guess he must have. So he was ultra-handing things together, fusing fusing rocks to sticks. Well, he must have, right? <laughs> I think that's how he fought Ganondorf. That'd be pretty cool. He also had Ascend. And Ascend, yes. The, okay, so we, we're deep enough into this. And this, of course, is not a review podcast or anything so uh, leaning. But we do like to talk about our experiences with the game. Crystal, how did you find the suite of powers in this game compared to Breath of the Wild? Way better. Not even the competition. This <gasps> kicks oh, it, the ass of Breath of the Wild. Wow. Damn. I, I, I can definitely see what you mean because um, Cryonis is not much when compared to the others. Mm-hmm. Cryonis sucks. Cryonis has limited usage. I think the only power from because obviously uh, Ultra Hand is like super Magnesis. Yes, a hundred percent better than Magnesis. Just Magnesis with all the limiters taken off, and then Fuse is like they built the whole game around Fuse. Right, that's entirely new. I think the only power that I really missed from Breath of the Wild was Stasis. You don't feel like Rewind was good enough? Or Recall? Well, I mean, there's specific spots where it's fun to, like, build up kinetic energy and then send it flying off. But no, uh, Rewind is obviously the most broken fucking power that anyone ever came up with. That's bonkers. But that that power differential crystal is one of the reasons you prefer uh, Tears of the Kingdom as a game to play. That's right. That's exactly right. You know what I miss? What? Remote bombs. Go on. I miss remote bombs. That's all. Bomb flowers aren't good enough. Yeah, bomb flowers are one, limited in number, and two, uh, I can't stage them. But I understand why. I was very bomb dependent in Breath of the Wild. Okay, 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 okay. Listen, we've, we've dicked around with it enough. Um... So Link gets together all these powers. He goes to the Temple of Time. He tries to open it up, but it's it's a door that's like, no, you don't have enough hearts. Get out of here, asshole. And Rara's like, oh, I guess you need to go get... Uh, Not even hearts, just powers. No, you you do need oh, you mean hearts. Inside of the Temple of Time. Yes. There's stuff that happened before that. Okay, well, tell me about the stuff that happened before that then. Well, once you manage to get those powers and you go into the Temple of Time, you get... Um, you see a giant Magatama. Big old Magatama. And when Link touches it, he's taken to a weird, ethereal, cloud-like place in which Zelda, with her eyes closed, is kind of floating there. And she extends her hand, and staring at her, he takes it, and some power is transformed or transferred over to him. It is the first real hand clasping. Well, no, Link being. Yeah, it is the first clasping of hands in the game, is the two of them. Yes, although I guess you could. Raru grabs Link by the forearm. Oh. <gasps> Very different. Interesting. Okay, so the first real handshake in the game. Raru and... does the non gay handhold. <laughs> it's ungay. Oh, gosh. It's, it's not gay if they grab you by the wrist. That's right. <laughs> well, I think that might. Hmm, okay. In the, the Road to El Dorado, they grab each other by the hands, which is how you know they're gay. Is that how you know? That's right. I've never it, seen that. 
Is it the is specific it, shot of them clasping hands on the boat is the exact same shot of Link and Zelda clasping hands here. Oh, okay. That's awfully gay. Yes. That's like Yuri with two dudes. This it's is an intensely Oh. This is an intensely scoured sword scene again. I thought he was going to kneel. Yeah. Um but no, uh he gets an extra sigil added to his hand the back of his hand and comes back to and raru the ghost is like i don't know what the heck that was he gets the recall power yes but like raru's like what you just saw it's a mystery to me some sort of an echo one that reflects zelda's sheer will Uh, but yes in the back of the temple of time is a statue of hylia and a door which says you don't have enough hearts the I think that since we're addressing this chronologically, the fact that Zelda has managed to leave behind a piece of her human self to pass on that power to Link has some, I don't, I don't know if they're like cosmological implications, but it's like, what happened there? How is she able to leave behind this human impression of herself? Rewinds. (laughs) It is it is definitively a power of the the secret stone. It started by him touching a shadow or an echo of the secret stone. And to me, it feels like almost a way of her consumption of the secret stone was incomplete because she, she left this human fragment of herself and this portion of the stone's power to him. How could that be incomplete, though? She swallowed it. Yeah, but I don't know. You... You don't know. No. She she prayed really hard and left a piece of it there. Helios can do that. Yeah, I think that this is something. So you would say Crystal got left behind before she transformed. Yes. Yes, I would also agree. Well, then it's then it doesn't require her to be incomplete in swallowing the secret stone. Okay, sure, but it's definitely something she planned for. Go get a scent, asshole. <laughs> and then you get the last. Of the powers. No, you got to send before this. Oh, what's the there last is one? just one extra shrine which talks or teaches you about recall in greater detail. Oh, okay. Uh, recall is the most busted power in the game. Yes, a hundred percent. Time powers usually are, I guess. What the fuck? You can program with it. When they put that in there, that's when they were like, listen, we have to accept that people will be able to do anything with this, and we have to be okay with that. We need to spend six years programming this game around this. Basically. We watched a video on how to really break the travel in this game for speedrunners. The methods for breaking the sound barrier. (laughs) And basically, it involves people who think through an object's rotation... And they're all trying to do a perfect one single rotation. Because if you can do that, then you can make the the object redo it with recall. And then hook up, you know, a giant stone slab to it and propel Link through the air. And it started with like a, a weird machine or something like that. I'm just going to send you the video in line. It's a great Crystal. video. Um, but it ended up with like when Link throws like a spear. It actually rotates through the air perfectly, meaning it's an axis. I don't think you even started with saying that it was on an axis, like it rotated around one axis. I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's uh, That video title on YouTube is um, 
how players broke the sound barrier in Tears of the Kingdom by Paradox Gaming. It's a very interesting video and quite entertaining if any of our listeners are just looking for a little bit of uh, info on how people break the game real good. That's incredible. Yeah. Oh, it's worth noting, it's Raru that turns on the shrines. Raru Ghost. Is it? Yes, because they were there, but the, the green spirals weren't on them. And when Raru was like, oh, yeah, you need more more power to get into the Temple of Time. Uh, here you go, Swirlies. Like, go to these shrines that me, uh, he doesn't even say his wife, I set up a while ago. Yeah. I guess he set them up at his wife's behest. I think she was a little bit more involved. I mean, he's the one like, with, all, he's probably means literally. It's like, ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, my wife had me use the ultra hand to put all this shit together. <laughs> I, you I know, know the old ball and chain. I don't think you just you don't have to go through a whole long explanation for this guy, for this person long dead. That means a lot to you that you'd want to talk a lot about, but it doesn't really mean much to him necessarily. Ah, you know. <laughs> um, I don't know. They made Raru into a wife guy. What do you want me to say? Yeah. Uh, after you talk to the Hylia statue and it gives you a heart container, Raru's ghost is like. You are exactly as Zelda said. I've done everything I can for her. Now it is up to you. And uh, he fucks off. <laughs> he just passes on, kind of. Or he gives you the impression that he's passing on. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and then you go to the backside of the temple, in which there is a glowing light there already. And your sword, which you may or may not have destroyed at the start of the game, is like talking to you. And Link puts the Master Sword into the golden light. And Zelda picks it up from wherever she is, which we know is in the past. And her voice echoes through time, I guess. Link, you must find me. I thought that was the light dragon saying that. You think it was the light dragon? I guess it could be. For me, I, I thought it was the, the span of time and the little time portal hole that he reached through was just open long enough for that voice to echo through. What do you think, Cam? Hmm. I think that it's something... I don't think that the dragon can talk. But I can think, the dragon think words? No. I think she has given up that human part of herself. But she's definitely more conscious than draconification would imply, because the dragon knows this is the time to rend the veil between the world and the sky. Yeah, there are some things bigger than self, but I don't think the talking part of her is still in there. It's time I to think jump. That, um, the, the, I got the impression that the sky veil could not be pierced until the Master Sword time paradox was resolved. Oh, go on. Because the sword needs to go back to the past for, it to, for there to be a light dragon. Does the Master Sword need to go back into the past? Because the reason Zelda became the light dragon is to restore the Master Sword. So it needs to go back there for the light dragon to be here. They need to resolve the paradox. So what she's waiting for is for this second Master Sword to effectively cease to exist. Yes. Because she has the first Master Sword, chronologically speaking. Yes. But she didn't have it until that moment. What? No, she did. But Link cannot leave this space, this space above the clouds that's like maybe outside of time or something until the paradox is resolved. Ah, uh, okay. So it's like it was built 
with the assumption that this paradox would come into being and the paradox stopping is what makes it gives the light dragon the signal to take down the cloud barrier. Yes. So Zelda is a programmer and she understands setting up some sort of a Boolean. True, false. Exactly. And after it's it's been resolved, it's it's true or, or false or whatever she set the flag to and therefore release uh, cloudy sky thing. Like run cloud barrier. Removal. And it's like if Master Sword equals two, <laughs> then you start running another check once a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. Sure. It's time to jump. Crystal, where did you go when you first landed? I just went straight down, landed in some water. That's good, because we don't have the paraglider. Do you remember who the first- I swam around a bit there, and then I went straight to the town. Who was the first person you talked to? Who was the first person I talked- One of the guards outside the gate, I guess. At- at Lookout Landing. Lookout Landing? Yes, at Lookout Landing. How about you, Monica? I wandered up to a stable- and I found Beetle. That was the first person I found and talked to. Cameron, how about you? Well, I sh- shot off to the east, I think. And in any case, the first person that I found and talked to was actually the obsessed flower keeper from Breath of the Wild. I was like, and both of us just sort of stared at each other and went, oh, Christ, not you again. Did you land on her flowers? No, I didn't. I, I landed at probably the same place that y'all did. Later, I would go back into the sky and jump off and attempt to land in water, not realize how shallow it was. And I hit the ground at like 500 kilometers an hour. And there's just this huge eruption of water because the new splash effect in this game is very pretty and very expansive. And Link's just lying there dead as this pretty rainbow cloud of rain droplets is falling around him. You can die so hard in this game. Crystal, you must have really beelined it to go over to look at landing because it's it's not close. Yeah, I wanted to progress the main quest. That's impressive. I think that's pretty normal. I think that's a normal thing that people do. <laughs> okay, I j- so I'm just so far out of it. I'm like, wow, that's, that's strange. Like after I talked to what the Phantom calls Flower Blight Ganon, I also hoofed it straight to look out landing. It took me a while. I may have grabbed a horse on my way there. I think I hit several stables. Yes. Uh, Crystal, I want you to know that I had to... You can imagine how hard Monica and I were trying not to spoil each other at the start of the game, right? Mm-hmm. It's something that the two of us care about very dearly because the two of us, we met through Zelda games and we want to be able to have each preserve the other's experience. We care about the other's experience more than we care about our own experiences. But she wandered around the surface doing nothing in particular for like five fucking hours, Crystal. Nothing in particular. Anything except for continuing the story. And she was like, boy, this is a lot of fun. I says to her, Monica, do you remember how in Breath of the Wild that you could only get the compendium by continuing the story? She's like, yeah, of course. I'm like, well, that's on there too. And she was like, well, I'll get to that. And I had to stop. I go, Okay, Monica, you have to go do two things in the main story, and then you'll have your paraglider. And that's what it took to get her to go do the main path. Yeah, the paraglider and the camera are important. I was kind of expecting them to hold back the paraglider longer, because I liked not having it on the island. 
it was a very different feeling. It was did- <laughs> it was like the Great Plateau, right? Crystal, did you forget and just sort of kill yourself a whole bunch of times thinking you'd have a paraglider? No, because I got it pretty quick. Oh, okay. Well, you got to remember that Monica just got done playing Breath of the Wild. So she killed herself multiple times on the Great Sky Island and then afterward when she had gotten to the surface. Yes, at everywhere, basically. Because she was like, why would I be on the surface if I don't have the paraglider? Splat. And why wouldn't I jump towards the ground at the place I wanted to go? Because there was a Korok. The Koroks breached the cloud barrier. Splat. Her hero's path had many red X's to start with. Yeah. Lookout Landing is really interesting, though. Crystal, they built tell, a new town. Tell me about Lookout Landing, Crystal. They built it close to where Hyrule Castle Town was, just a little bit outside where the town would have been. And it's just the, the collection of all the uh, researchers of the gloom seeping outside the castle. Pura is sort of the mayor of the town. Pura fixed her age thing. <laughs> hey, Crystal, tell me about this new Pura design. Uh, you remember the one from Age of Calamity? Yeah. It's kind of like that, but this time she has red tights. In fact, let's do a quick comparison. She got a recorder, like a, a the instrument, for some reason. She never plays it, and it's really baffling to me why she has it. But she holds it like a pipe. Right. I guess they wanted to make one of those long, noir, feminine cigarettes, but they didn't. <laughs> Here is Pura in Age of Calamity that I'm putting in the... Um, Line chat. That's her. She's got nice, yeah. sh- nice shorts. Got a beehive hairstyle. And here is Pura Circa Tears of the Kingdom. And she, uh. Glow up? They really tried to. Uh, what, how would the, how would the kids say this? They really tried to mommy her up a little bit, huh? You think so? Yeah. Uh, yes. The reaction to her was pretty intense. There was a whole lot of, mommy, excuse me, mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry. Like, I saw that tweet so many times. Yeah, but the perverts online will say that for anyone. <laughs> I really like the um, the golden fabric that's sort of see-through on her leg, which is, it's a nice visual design, the cutout thing. But it is also very, um, not going to use any, it's very, very glamorous. They, they they definitely gave her more of a bayonetta feel in this game. I'll put it that way. She looks good. She it is a fantastic design. I did not get the impression that she had fixed her age issue so much as she had just naturally aged from her previous what? age. She was six years old in Breath of the Wild. Yeah, and so I you have- think she's twelve here? <laughs> no, I I thought that like ten years had passed. Oh, I have a theory. I have a theory. What? About what? Well, uh, as you're wandering around Lookout Landing, you come across a awkward preteenish girl, Sheikah, who is Pura's uh, protege. Protege named Josha. And my theory is actually that they in- originally intended to make Pura just grow up to about that age. That's six plus, I don't know, five. And then Josha's model would then what Pura was. And then they were like, no, we want uh, glammed up Pura instead. So we'll just keep the model because we spent time on it. Do you see that, Crystal, when you look I at- I see that. that. That does make sense to me. She does have that look. Yeah, she has the same glasses. 
Josha is also the character that Monica most strongly identifies with in this game. I was an awkward, nerdy kid. <laughs> so, so it's like you look at her, that's baby Monica. Now you know. Everybody at Lookout Landing recognizes Link and is very relieved that he's safe and is like, where the heck were you for the two months plus four to seven days? <laughs> and uh, that means Zelda's safe, right? Yeah, Zelda's, that means Zelda's with you, right? Where is she? Where's she been? We've been all with worried sick about her. Crystal, I know that you've expressed some opinions on the way that characters in the game relate to Zelda and her disappearance. What do you mean? Well, I, I think that you've talked at least a little bit about the way that everyone really cares about where Zelda is, but they don't seem to be act and, and they're actively looking for her, right? They're all looking for her. Yeah. But at the same time, Link, once he finds the truth, which could be at any time during this, I don't know. We can't really do a search for the Dragon Tears part of it because we've already covered all of those events. But when Link learns the truth about what's happened, he doesn't seem to tell anyone except for Impa. What do you make of all that, Crystal? Link can't talk. <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> He's not a talker. He's not a man who speaks. I I, actually, I I would agree that he is not prone to elaboration and he will let people keep on their own path of misunderstanding until some some reason like necessity comes up. He's not paid to think. <laughs> he's a, he's a bodyguard. It's why I think that like all those uh, stable quests, like he knows what a Don Don is. And everybody's wondering, what is this mysterious new animal? He doesn't really bother telling them. He's just like, eh. You don't think it's possible? Okay, right. Because we're taking the uh, trailer as being canon, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, there's no other way to explain why he doesn't just tell them what's up. Yeah, like, this this ghost Zelda isn't Zelda. And you'd think he would broadcast that a little bit more loudly and insistently. But we know that he talks because he has conversations oh, with he, people. He, he can talk. He's uh, he's like one of those video game protagonists that, let, that lets people make their own decisions and come to their own conclusions. What kind of protagonists are you referring to? Um, Adam Jensen from Deus Ex Human Revolution. What does Adam Jensen do? I never played Human Revolution. At the end, instead of broadcasting a message to the world explaining the whole conspiracy... You can just blow up the evil villain's base and die so that the world can come to their own conclusions about what happens. That seems incredibly foolish. I I agree. Like, not just as a course of action to take, but as a writing decision. I agree. I see. Would you ascribe that same kind of foolishness to Link's actions? I think Link is maybe... Maybe being a little bit playful. He likes seeing other people not understand what's going on. He is a little bit of a troll. But he does tell it to Impa because he respects and likes Impa. Yeah. She actually really is the only person that he tells. I think that he tells Pura eventually too, right? But no. No? No, he just tells her that the Zelda in the castle isn't the real Zelda. <laughs> he never tells Pura. Pura's not the one that he was close to back in the Age of Calamity days. He tells Pura about Raru, and Pura recognizes Raru as the name of the first king of Hyrule. That's true. That's weird. Why does why is that part 
preserved. Why did, Crystal, why does Pura know the name of the first king of Hyrule? She is one of the most brilliant Sheikah to ever live. She's just so smart, she just knows it. She read it in a book once. She's that kind of cartoon smart, where being smart means that you intrinsically know history and mathematics. It's probably written in some very obscure document, like probably not even prominently written, but just like tossed off as a reference somewhere. And she just remembers that from reading it. She is like 125, 130 years old. And she was exclusively studying ancient stuff. So I guess it would come up. She has been doing a lot of reading for a long time. Okay, I accept this. (laughs) Begrudgingly. Robbie's also at Lookout Landing and... Everybody kind of bullies him, and he kind of deserves it. Robbie sucks shit. What are we talking about? Uh, he built the Pura Pad, but nobody's giving him credit. <laughs> Good. Why am I talking shit on Robbie? Crystal, how do you feel about Robbie? Yeah, I was I was trying to remember what Robbie did that was so loathsome. Well, there was uh, the whole thing with Cherry the Oven. And, oh, yeah. And marrying a woman who was like 60 to 70 years his junior. <laughs> yeah, but that woman was like 60 years old. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Though he did though he did marry her when she was like 40 because they have an adult son. Oh, oh, she was 40 years old <laughs> being taken advantage of. I think that part was fine aside from that I guess she was like a researcher under him, which I yeah, don't know. Yeah, there was a power difference. But the emotional cheating on her on an oven that you named after your First old love. is kind of cringe. He's a cringe old man. He's not a scumbag. He's just sort of cringe, as the kids say. But, Crystal, do you think that Pura has a recorder or a pipe? I thought that was a recorder. Okay. Because she holds it like a pipe, so my brain just read it as a pipe. Like one of those real fancy long cigarette holders that uh, flappers would have. I think that's her. I think it is a recorder that she is pretending is a pipe because she's using it as a fidget toy. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. It would have even made sense if it was a um, a telescope, like Errol's. Because she looks through a giant one at the castle a whole bunch of times. I don't know. Okay, anyway, she's like, look, you, you should probably go to the, the, the Hyrule castle. castle. Because there are people who have been searching there for two months and seven to four days. Tell them to come back so they don't die. Oh, no, just like help with the search. Link is actually showing up to help with the search. Right. To the castle. Right. And he goes to report into the, the head guy there named Haas and points out that he heard the princess calling out to him and he's help, here to help the search. But then uh, Zelda floating through the air shows up. Right. Yes. Crystal, do, do you remember this sequence with the flying Zelda? Yes, I remember this. Tell me about it. Uh, she's just spotted flying uh, above the castle and she just flies straight up into the air. This is also why I think my interpretation is that Ganondorf ran for the heck of it because he's actively trying to lead Link and everyone else away from the castle. Away from it. So that he can build up his power. Is he doing that, though? Because he keeps having the Phantom Zelda appear there. Well, no. No, Zelda left. And that's the sign that everybody takes that, oh, we don't need to continue searching the castle. Oh, right, right, right. Also, I don't think that... Phantom Ganon is strictly acting at at his behest. Right. You and Crystal think that Phantom Ganon just does their own shit. Planning on its own to help the Demon King. Do you still agree with that, 
Crystal. Yeah, I agree with that. I I can't believe they spent all these months checking the castle and just didn't really get anywhere and did not want to go into the giant chasm because who would want to go into that giant chasm? But maybe that's where Link Link and Zelda are. What's that, Crystal? Only Link is strong enough to go down there. I mean, that seems to be true. It is filled with horriblins now. Even further down. I guess nobody just jumps down, except for the speedrunners. Okay, so we go over there, and Zelda flies off into space, except that it's not Zelda. We know that it's not Zelda, because we've already seen the memory where Phantom Ganon pretends to be Zelda. Does Link think it's Zelda? Does Link think it's Zelda? It was pretty obvious to Crystal that it was not Zelda. Does Link think it's Zelda? Link must not have thought it was Zelda, because... You, the player, did not think it was Zelda. And Link, at this stage, is ultimately an embodiment of you. I also did did not think it was Zelda. Yeah. I thought it was possible that it could have been like a a memory of her, an imprint to guide you, but it kind of seemed kind of ominous. And her blood moon narration is very ominous. Oh, yeah. So ominous. When When did you start to realize that that had an ominous component to it the first time it happens <laughs> or nefarious when did you realize that was was phantom ganon i guess uh probably the first stable quest where Ooh. they mentioned the puppet zelda Ooh. oh yeah that was actually faster much faster than me i think it took me up yeah i remember you and me having this discussion where i was like that's not zelda and you were like it could be zelda if it was Zelda, it would be a Zelda that got, like, twisted from yeah. something happening to her. That would have been pretty cool. Corrupted Zelda. Punished Improbable, Zelda. but cool. Possessed Zelda. They've done that a couple of times in this series, though it's usually through, like, possession. But I saw, there's always been, ever since Breath of the Wild released, a lot of art of the malice-infested Zelda. So I guess that, that also is a possibility. That would have been awesome. Uh... You got your paraglider after you talked to Pura again. Something we we realized, yes, you get the paraglider because uh, they did build all of these new towers after they took down the old towers, and they are to help map out the landscape, and they need somebody to be propelled up there, and then with a paraglider start taking a bunch of photos. Nobody is up to doing it except for Link. They were waiting for him. This bit's very Wind waker Yes. Crystal, it sure seems like they would have been well served by trying to copy down that big ass map before the Sheikah Slate deleted itself. Well, the the map has changed. Yeah, it's that's, completely changed. That's right. Yes, they do need to do new cartography. You're right. Did you like this sequence, Crystal? It was really funny. You're right that it's very similar to Link being shot out of the cannon in Wind Waker. Those those guardian arms grabbing him alone. Yeah. It's like, boy howdy. That's uh, ominous. And then he shot a million billion miles into the sky and he just falls. But it's got this really peaceful feeling after a few seconds of falling. And that's nice. And he's got his little USB-C cable. Yes, he's got the USB-C cable on the spool attached to him. And Hudson Construction Company built all these fucking things? Yes. That's a power of private enterprise. It. Well, I mean, it's private enterprise, but it's state-funded. That's right. Public-private partnerships. Oh, no. God, as Torontonians that... And yes, to my listeners who happen to be from this area, I do pronounce all the T's. Fuck you if you don't like it. Um, 
Wait, how do other people say it? Oh, Torontonians really um, pride themselves Some on not, people. not pronouncing the second T. It's Toronto. What? Yeah, Toronto, as if it had two N's. It's Toronto. just one of those weird things where it's like the hatred of pineapple on pizza. People take it very, very personally. It's like, I'm from the 416, baby. We don't pronounce T's up here. Yay. That sounds like where Count Dooku's from, the Duke of Toronto. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like that. That's, that. I guess that's why he became Darth Tyrannus. And <laughs> oh, my God. So What were you saying? <laughs> I'm not sure it matters. <laughs> where, where were we? <laughs> why did i start talking about toronto i don't know well i'm sure it'll make difference public when private it, partnerships oh. oh public yes public private partnerships has done a real number on our public transit in the past five to ten years they've been trying to set up a light rail line and it's lasted like 20 years the, the construction con- the construction has been going on basically since i moved to canada and but they keep getting paid for it. Yeah. Yeah, of course they keep getting paid for it because now it's the sunk cost fallacy thing and they should have just built more subway cars from the fucking start. Anyway. No, not anyway. Public-private partnerships are a proven fucking boondoggle. Well, in in Hyrule, I think it's just a weird guild of people who all have their names end in sun who are going around dumping a bunch of construction materials around to help people with construction. That's true. You're saying that the anarcho-syndicalists came across God and said, okay, we'll help you out. Yeah, it's not really... They're not a corporation. They're not, actually. They're at most a guild. But they do have a cult of personality. They there do, is. yes. yes. They, they have a carpenter god. They're like the... Um, named Hudson. Freemasons? Okay, we're not going to invoke the Freemasons on this podcast. Okay. We we have enough problems with invoking um, Christian symbolism in the first place. I just mean people who know the theory around building an arch. There is at least one listener to this podcast who is really weird about the Freemasons, and I don't want to read that email. Okay. Construction people. You can form a cult. <laughs> they are a, co- a cult of construction. Not like anything in the real world. I don't know enough to say one way or the other. Uh, yeah, they built the towers. What are these towers built out of? They seem to be built around the old Sheikah towers almost. Or how do they read to you, Crystal? That kind of seems like the the core of it is Sheikah. Where they get that Sheikah stuff from? I thought they dismantled it so it wouldn't get hacked. I feel like there are a small number of ancient Sheikah things that they purposefully did not smash. And maybe they lied a little bit in keeping them, but it, it helps to facilitate some of the t- technology now. So the, the Guardian Arms, the um, I think the platform that propels you on there also has a Sheikah eye on it. Yeah, it's probably taken from one of the shrines. To me, the towers look like they really are built out of just wood and scrap and rope and a billion things kind of piled up on each other, though. But there's certain core parts that were taken from salvaged Sheikah tech that was deconstructed to get really strong building materials. I really like the emergency shelter. And this is the same place in the Breath of the Wild memory where Zelda gives the the invocation on Link, right? 
yes, it, it is right on top of that. Yeah, th- this is that uh, the the whole the whole settlement is built around that fountain. Cool. That's it. What I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I was just thinking it. about other noticeable things about Lookout Landing, but I guess the one thing that we haven't mentioned is that the other thing that Gendorf did was destroy all weapons everywhere, with a very literal definition on weapons. So you, it didn't affect farming implements, for instance. It definitely um, makes the legal code very easy to write about what's a weapon and what's not. <laughs> I know, right? That's true. It was awfully specific. and But somehow bows didn't count? Bows are not weapons. Bows are not weapons? No, they are hunting. Wait, what's a bow if it's not a weapon? It's a hunting implement. It's a tool. That's uh, It's a hunting weapon. No, it's a, it's a tool. Much like a hoe is a tool. And a yeah, or is definitely- things with a hoe. I mean, I, I've killed snakes with a hoe before. Oh, no. Well, no, it wasn't me. It was actually my grandfather. That was, uh, that's when Bud got in a fight with that snake. Was it one of the deadly ones? Yeah, it was a cottonmouth. Oh. I would identify a bow as a weapon, even well, if it is used strictly for hunting. That is a hunting weapon. Legally, bows are not weapons. I'm sorry. That, that's they, just, they're, they're not? That's just, <laughs> that's just what the gloom says, Crystal. Okay. I mean, we were just I, talking. The, 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 this you said it makes it easy to identify what is legally a weapon versus not. Yeah, but I guess would you want to write the law according to Gannon's interpretation? Mm, no, probably not. Honestly, no. But when Gannon takes over and institutes gun control, the bows are not banned. <laughs> when Gannon takes over and institutes <laughs> gun control, <laughs> that's what he's doing. I- <laughs> Do you think giant meat cleavers are weapons? <laughs> I would say a meat cleaver is not a weapon because it is used for butchering. Okay, and what about a chainsaw? A chainsaw is not a weapon. It's used for forestry. Okay. Right. Even the You have to kill an animal with it. Even the ancient Sheikah chainsaw. Even the ancient Sheikah chainsaw. Does that mean that the Lancer from... Gears of War has a non-weapon component on it? No, the Lancer is a weapon because it was specifically designed to saw through locust skin. You know, chainsaws are actually really bad at cutting meat. I bet, yeah. It comes up, it comes up the works real fast. You can't use them in butchering. I wonder if that's, that's kind of a problem for the Chainsaw Man. You mean the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? No. Because he uses... Like, I mean, Denji. He mo- oh, Denji. Yeah, well... He works on movie logic. Okay. He has special chainsaws. Yeah. Devils are afraid of him, so he can cut them real good. I thought for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that part of the, the horror of it is that it does kind of stick inside you and get gummed up. I'll say that I've never fully watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but my understanding is that most of the butchering he does is with, like, knives. And the chainsaw is just a scary murder weapon. Because it'll work long enough to kill you. Yeah. The corruption on weapons is applies to newly forged weapons as well. Like it instantly corrupts. And Does I wonder. It? Yes, they've talked about trying to repair things and also try to make new ones. Did they? Where did they talk about trying to make In, new ones? Look at landing. Oh. And I feel like it's it's sorcery based on the intention of the forger. Maybe that's overly complex. It's not that it's overly complex. It's that it should still affect bows. 
let's go down and ask the mummy why it doesn't apply to bows. Well, I mean, Ganon's not a monster. He still wants his subjects to be able to hunt deer. Um, he did say leave no survivors. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he changed changes minds. Oh, I don't know. Based on dialogue he has later in the game, maybe. It doesn't, yeah, I guess he's trying to make a kingdom for monsters. I don't know what his end game is. You think he's trying to make a place where the Bokoblins can live freely and go about their daily goofy lives? Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I I sincerely doubt it, but I'm going to go along with it for now for both of them. But what is his end game? Is he just going to destroy everything? I... I, I would say that he wants to rule the world, but his leave no survivors does make that a lot more complicated. Yeah, I don't know. I think he meant leave no survivors in this battle. Uh, destroy Hyrule and all of her allies, leave no survivors. Yes. Maybe he specifically wants to raise Hyrule and everything related to it, but other kingdoms, like once he comes upon Termina, he'd be okay. <laughs> But if Termina resists him, then there will be no survivors. Yes, he's going to glass it. Glass it like in Halo? Yes. <laughs> um, everybody is telling you to go to Rito Village. There's a lot of re- regional phenomena, Pura says. And also there's like a, a newspaper organization that's starting to be founded there's a whole bunch of side quests that are dependent on you going there first. Yeah, she really thinks you should go to Rio Village, and we are not. We're not. But no. we all did, we right? All, yeah. Did you go there first, Crystal? That's right. I followed Pura's recommended order. Me too. It definitely was as strong as the Zora story was. Not Maybe not completely, but close. The, I think that the... The Rito Village is a good way to illustrate the differences between Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild, and that it's not less effective as a story, but it is extremely different. And that's also true of the Gerudo region, which is where we're actually going first. Because okay. I want to talk about the Gerudo. But we okay. don't have to do it during this episode. That's true. What else is there? I don't think there's anything more that I needed to cover oh, okay. on my notes. Crystal... Did we miss anything? No, I think we got it. Are you suggesting we call the episode here? We've we got, got a lot of questions. Um, I've got five emails lined up we can go over if you two want. Are, are you okay with calling it here, Crystal? Yeah, let's call it and do emails. Oh, man. Okay. So both of you were sent the um, email document. Mm-hmm. Crystal, why don't you go ahead and take this first email? Sure, as soon as I open it. No problem. As soon as Discord loads. Because they didn't have Discord open. Wait, it wasn't Discord. It we was Line. That's right. Let me scroll back up in Line. We never message each other on Discord. That's right. I got confused. First email from Melohi. Hello. I started listening to the podcast about a week ago. And while sending this, I'm listening to the last Spirit Tracks episode. So, to give myself a bit of context visually, I watched the video of the Maladis fight and cutscenes before after. But I decided to watch it about 15 minutes before break was over, so I watched it at two times speed, which made the scene where Link runs over and smashed by Zelda even funnier. That's great. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you for reading, and thank you for making this podcast. Listening to it allowed me to really get into the Legend of Zelda series when I had a hard time getting into it. 
I just didn't care that much about Twilight Princess, which was my first Zelda game when I was younger as an AFAB person playing a masculine-coded game. Thank you very much again, Melohi. Thank you, Melohi. Thank you, Melohi. Yeah, that does sound like it would be a lot funnier at two times speed. It reminds me of when I watched Titanic for a billion times on VHS. Me and my sister really liked using the manual fast-forward and rewind to to make the guy who hits the propeller <laughs> hit it and then fly back up and then hit it and fly back up. I don't know. Those were strange days. <laughs> Crystal, how did how do how do you feel uh, Twilight Princess fits into the Greater Zelda canon? Is it more masculine coded than the other games? It's definitely the most masculine Link. True. But it's also the game where Link is a little puppy boy who's ridden by Mintna. Yeah, but he's also like a super cool blue-eyed wolf man who can kill all the bad guys in one shot. That's true. It is the most reactive Zelda game, I feel. And it's also the most suited to a North American gamer audience, which was predominantly male it feels aimed at teen boys <laughs> it is funny that's like we need to make a game that's more appealing to the americans what if link was a cowboy yes yeah. what if he was a cowboy that did happen americans love cowboys you got a little western town shootout scene you do actually <laughs> you do actually have a little western town shootout scene yes well i'm glad that i i i'm sorry to anyone for whom Twilight Princess was their first Zelda game. You deserve better than that. <laughs> we all still like it. Yes. I feel like that's a pretty good first Zelda because it only goes up from there. Fair enough. So th- it's like the the one, two, three of your sequel order preference. Where you want the first movie to be the worst one. Right. You want the first movie to be the weakest. And definitely not. Not three, two, one. Three, two, one. That's the no, worst. That's, if, that just makes the sequels bad. And it makes them more disappointing as you go further along. Exactly. That's that's horrendous. Okay, Monica, why don't you go ahead and take this second one? This email is from Cordelia. At the very end of the first Tears of the Kingdom episode, Luke, shout out Luke, asked something to the tune of, How come Link built different? It made me think of the heavenly restriction that Maki has in JJK. That's... Jujutsu Kaisen. Ah, Jujutsu Kaisen. Okay. Among other characters... Just in case y'all aren't familiar with Jujutsu Kaisen, the most basic way to explain it is that Maki has ridiculous strength, reflexes, etc. In exchange, or because of the fact that she cannot see curses, despite being born into a family who all do have that ability. What if Link is ridiculously strong as he is because he's as dumb as a box of rocks? Highly in restriction. I don't know. Anyway, I'm really glad y'all are back to do some Zelda. Ever since Tears of the Kingdom got a release date, I've been more excited for this podcast than I was even to play the game itself. Aw. I definitely won't be upset if you're doing this for months. Much love, Cordelia. Well, Cordelia, good news. (laughs) Months is the right assessment. Now, this Hillian restriction idea would explain why Link doesn't seem to understand what's going on with Zelda. (laughs) Go on. Even though it's really obvious. Do, Do you think he doesn't understand what's going on with Zelda? I, I, it would make sense why he doesn't explain it to everybody then. Couldn't he just be concerned that the Yika would learn about it and use it as an advantage to something or other? 
How would they use it as an advantage? I don't know. I'm They'll not. stop their focus on trying to snare him and then try to do something else. Like try to murder Impa or something. I think that there could very well be a Hylian restriction, though, and it's that he's not a magical guy. He's not a sage. Everybody else has to imbue powers onto him. That's true. He has no magic meter. We haven't had a magic meter since Wind Waker, have we? Yeah, that's right. Wow. That's the Hylian restriction. That's 20 years. Magic meters in Zelda is a boomer idea. That's right. Oh, my. It's been more than half the age of the series since we had a magic meter. I I would say generally in game design, having a mana bar has fallen out of fashion. It's all about cooldowns. Which I guess the stamina bar is. Yes. Is that true, though? I feel like that's true. Because, I mean, like in Elden Ring, you have a mana bar. That's true. And you do you still have a mana bar in the next Elder Scrolls? I guess we'll see. That Yeah, you do have mana, but it regenerates. Yeah, the cooldown, the MMO-style cooldown system has gotten a lot more ubiquitous. You are right about that. But Link definitely doesn't use magic. No. He's, he's a old-school wizard who... Gains powers through contracts with his familiars in Tears of the Kingdom. Link is like a block of tofu that you can pour flavor into. <laughs> okay, we went in very different. That that's that's very different set of directions there. But I I like where your head's at. Block of tofu, soy sauce. <laughs> that's right. That pour is the soy, pour the soy sauce on Link. That is one of the things you pour on there. Is Link, or sorry, soy sauce. <laughs> pour Link on there. That'll be fine. Okay, this third email is from Mark. Uh, There's a bunch of explanatory text attached to these ones, but I've abridged it down to just the questions. And there's five questions here, and I think we can address them all in sequence. One, could it be that the Legend of Zelda series geography, both physical and otherwise, and its changes are directly related to its inhabitants and gods, as in a manner of Shintoist mythology? Like... Basically, does the geography of Hyrule just change? It's not immutable. Hmm. I don't think this could be answered. I, I, I'm kind of into this idea. It's the forbidden science. There- but look, talk about the Deku tree in the Lost Woods. Maybe he makes it that way so people don't intrude. We definitely think the Deku tree extends the Lost Woods or the Lost Woods extends themselves. Yeah. Through anywhere. They They travel into different realities yeah this also makes me think they managed the zelda team managed to in some of the cutscenes, they showed the dueling peaks and there was no rift in the dueling peaks in the past hmm and notably the dueling peaks were said to have been split by a dragon to ease travel was it to ease travel that that's the theory I don't know, for the dragon or for people. Hmm. I don't remember that part of the text. That's from Breath of the Wild. No, I mean, I, re- I know that it's from Breath of the Wild. I remember that it was supposed to have been done by a dragon. I don't I'll remember. I'll fish it out. Please. Can you expand a little bit more on your idea, Crystal? Um. Yeah, I was thinking that local gods would maintain their areas in, in the shape that pleases them or serves their ends. I'm trying to think of another local god, like Valu. Mm-hmm. Valu maintains Dragon Roost Island in the shape that it is. 
He wanted a, a seat, one? a seat that had uh, warming powers on his butt. I mean, our 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 idea that Death Mountain itself used to be a giant Dodongo would kind of fit with that. Yeah. Uh, okay, Monica found it. This is from Shay in Breath of the Wild. So on this map of yours, do you see dueling peaks north of here? Well, apparently that used to be just one mountain a really long time ago. The legend says a dragon god split the mountain in half to forge a way through, and that's how it went from one to two. That doesn't mean ease travel, though. Forge your way through. That could just for as easily be f- for the dragon. That could be for war purposes. Mm. One of the dark dragon skeletons could be uh, related to that shit. I guess so. It could be for anyone. It is kind of in the way. Yes. Very scary. And it is also the method by which the guardians would have reached Hateno Fortresses through there. But no, no. So I'm saying it's like the that path is also good for Roads are great for warfare. Yes, but notably, there are Sheikah shrines in between the two peaks. Yes. Meaning 10,000 years ago, the mountain was split. Yes. But it wasn't 100,000 years ago or whatever. Right. At the time of the Zonai. Right. But anyway, this is to, to credit some godly intervention in the land. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next question. Next question. Is the Sacred Realm from Skyward Sword, uh, that is the Hero Trials, a mental state? And what Mark means with this, uh, he has a theory that the Hero's Trials, like those in Skyward Sword Silent Realms, and the trials given to you by the shrines in Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, don't take place in physical locations. We know that the Silent Realms are a realm of the spirit. Would the impossible space of the shrines be best explained by them being a mental realm? Hmm. What is a mental realm? Wow, that's a... I, I, I guess it's like a shadow of real space. I mean, if we're referring to like the silent realms... In, the silent realms were in Link's head. Yeah. But they were of, also of the geography of the area. Yeah. So you're saying it doesn't explain the impossible space. What's so impossible about the space? I guess it's not strictly impossible depending on how deep you think they go, but given how deep they go, you'd think that they would be like in the depths. Mark's idea is that those elevators don't actually go anywhere. But we have in Breath of the Wild the Trial of the Sword, and that is definitely in more in Link's head. And you just appear there. There's no actual place for it. There's no elevator that takes you down. So I would say that's definitely an impossible mental space. Well, not impossible, but definitely a mental space differing from a location where we can actually see an elevator take you in and out. The thing to me is that this makes sense to me for the Silent Realm because it maps perfectly onto existing geography. Hmm. So it's easy for me to imagine Link walking around the physical space, but perceiving it differently. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really make sense for the shrines. That's true. So you would argue that the shrines are probably in real physical space. I think so, yes. That that lines up. It, it also lines up with the way that the uh, Champion's Ballad DLC final dungeon seems to operate in physical space and rises up into the air because it's yeah. a big factory. Does, does time advance when you're in a shrine? Yes. Yes. It okay. does. Okay. But blood moons don't come. Can Zonite B 
be a physical manifestation of divine slash light slash spirit energy? Is it the same thing as time crystals or other gimmicks in the series? What does Zonite actually do? I don't know. We had a whole episode <laughs> devoted to this. Crystal, what does Zonite do? You can auto-build with it. That's very true. It can be refined into crystals, which are little battery cells. So I guess it's energy. But you can also use it to convert directly into matter. Yes. Energy and matter are intertwined. Anyway, the answer is yes to me. (laughs) What do you think, Crystal? I think it's the life stream. Ooh. The life stream. Right. Yes. That's why it's in the underworld. I still do really like the theory that the Zonai showed up to mine this earth of its life stream. That they are the Genova. I, I, that was a prompt for you to respond. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know enough about Seven. Oh, okay. Let's just move Unobo on. Unobo starts the Shinra Corporation. Oh, no. We don't need a Shinra Corporation. That's very bad. That ends up destroying all human life. Well, how else will the Hillians get get to watch television and such? They never do, ironically. Huh. Maybe TV is bad, as bad as my parents used to say. You know that Deus Ex Human Revolution has Midgar in it? Go on. You go to the island of Hengsha, and there's it's just Midgar. There's two layers of the city. There's a great big pizza in the sky. There's a pizza in the sky? Yeah, you go to the lower city and you look up and there's no sky because it's just the upper half of the city up there. That's that's so blatant. I kind of love it. Does So does human revolution take place in the afterwards of FF7? N- there's no way. There's no Midgar in the afterwards of FF7. That place is fucking gone. So does human revolution take place in the before of FF7? It might take place in the before of FF7. <laughs> This is before they found the Red 13 people. That's right. Everything gets better once you go to Cosmo Canyon. Four. Are Hylia and Demise slash Ganon forces of statism and entropy in the Zelda cosmology? If so, is Link the balance in between? The agent of reversing entropy. Statism and entropy. Well, I guess um, Hylia wants to keep the status quo of her holding the Triforce. But she she doesn't seem to care that much about actually forming a state. But do we she mean here statism at like static? So yeah. entropy being something being. I but don't no, know entropy much. very specifically isn't about things being static. It's to the increase of entropy. Right. I mean that's the opposite. These are describing two opposite forces. What is the opposite of entropy? There isn't one. It's a statism. Is it? No. Hmm. Statism is literally describing a state that where the state has a lot of power. The the synonym oh my fucking the antonym of entropy is negentropy. As in <laughs> Who would have ever guessed they would name it negative entropy? We're just lucky they didn't call it antitropy. This is from a source that I don't recognize though, so maybe that's just silly. Nope, it's on Wikipedia too. Do you see Hylia as a force of statism, Crystal. She does form a theocratic monarchy. Okay. So, I guess so. Oh, I see, I see. Hylia as statism. Is Ganon entropy? Um, he's kind of just destruction, isn't it? 
I mean, you could argue that that's like an entropic process because it's getting everything to a more uh, restful state. Yeah, but destruction just breeds new creation, don't it? uh, Yeah, on small scale. Absolutely. We can't like entropy is such a massive concept in the context of these conversations that we're talking about, like the end of the fucking universe. And I don't know that the Zelda universe has an end. You were entropy saying- is just information theory. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Crystal, you have to remember that some people get like existential crises about the universe ending. But that's that's that has nothing to do with life. No, they've got tens of quadrillion years to go, but it will end and people freak out about it. Well, if the Zelda universe is never ending, isn't that proof that Hylia is Oh Christ. Nagentropy. <laughs> also apparently defined as syntropy. Syntropy? I don't know. I'm just looking at Wikipedia now. Stop reading Wikipedia. Okay. That's not allowed on the podcast. Who the hell is the ancient hero? He's also an anci- an agent of reversing entropy. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> What's that but story does- about entropy? Oh, the... Uh, sorry, Crystal, you go on with what you were saying while well, I think to how to answer Monica's question. How does Link reverse entropy? He doesn't. Nor can there really be a balance between entropy versus anything else. Monica's talking about the last question. By Asimov. That's the one where the robot becomes God. Uh-huh. Yes, it, it sure is. It's a very Catholic kind of science fiction story. Oh, the last question is who the hell is the ancient hero? Yes, the last question okay. is who the hell is the ancient hero? I thought that was the question about... Asians of no. was Jewish. Oh, well, that's me being a shithead. It is also very it's a very Judeo story. Do we feel like we've established in the podcast who the ancient hero is? No. <laughs> who the hell is he? <laughs> He's his own eye. Uh, I don't think that's uh, an uncontroversial statement. What's controversial about it? He doesn't look like any other zone eye. So? There's only two other Zonai, and they're both gods. Why does he look so different? Why does he look more animalistic? Yeah. I don't know. Are you suggesting that he... Are, would you like to suggest that he is the baby? No, if anything, the the other two Zonai are, look more hybrid. They sure do. So, what? Uh, are you suggesting he's not a Zonai? He... Uh, maybe. I don't know. Because Raru and Mineru already kind of look like different sorts of animals. A lot of people argue that Mineru looks like a bat and Raru looks more like a goat. Yeah, that makes sense. So maybe he just looks more like a lion and he's not a god. She looks like a bat because her ears are up. She wears her ears up. I mean, they're both bunnies. I guess so. So, Crystal, you don't know who the ancient hero is and you're not completely sure that he's his own eye. Yeah, that's my current position. But if he's not a Zonai, then what is he? He's a hero. Is he meant to evoke being a Zonai? He's a hero. I think you're- He's a hero. I think you're backing into the he's a hero so that you don't have to engage with that he's, part of the question. He is proof that that Link, the hero, is not confined to being Hylian. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll accept this, but the motherfucker's a Zonai. I'm just saying maybe maybe- his his species is not the most important aspect of him. Yes. I mean, up to a point, maybe. 
He can wield the Master Sword. What if Zonai isn't a species, but it denotes where they're from, like Earthling, like the 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 Gerudo and the Hylians and the Zora and the Gorons are all Earthlings, so to speak. Okay. And the Zonai are a collection of different peoples from uh, Zona. From the Zone Nebula. Yeah, the Zona. They could even be different planets. Sure. Look, the dude wears Zonai armor in a time period where Zonai armor wasn't very common. That being the 10,000 years ago. (laughs) And he happens to be a fucking five foot flat furry guy, which confirms that he's both Link and, to me, Zonai of some flavor. I really enjoy how shortness is more of a Link thing than Hylianness. Yes, this confirms it. Link is small. That's great. Okay, one of you two take this next one. Crystal, please. From Mike M. Have you ever heard of or read The Chronicles of Amber by Roger Zelazny? Great fantasy series that my dad recommended I read after devouring Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit when I was a teen. Any hoot, on to the point. The Amber stories take place in two contrasting true worlds, Amber and Chaos, and in shadow worlds, shadows, that lie between the two. These shadows, including Earth, are parallel worlds that exist in and were created from the tension between the opposing magical forces of Amber and Chaos. The courts of Chaos are situated at the very edge of an abyss. Members of the royal family of Amber, after walking in a pattern that is central to Amber, can travel freely through the shadows. While traveling, shifting between the shadows, they can alter reality or create a new reality by choosing which elements of which shadows to keep or add, and which to subtract. Nobles of the Courts of Chaos who have traversed the Logris are similarly able to travel through the shadows. And in brackets, because this is an abridged email. Mike feels that the Zelda games could be part of this multiverse, which describes all possible realities between Amber and Chaos. Tends to drop it when thinking about continuity, but maybe it describes how Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom treat the other games as mythical. Breath of the Wild is the prime reality, while the other games are shadows. So what do, what do we think of that idea that Breath of the Wild is the prime reality of which the other games are offshoots? Because it's basically saying that the other games are made, um, they, they can't be in the same timeline. This does seem to be the opinion of the moment for a lot of fans, I would say, because of the complexities of trying to make it work. I like this. I've never read Chronicles of Amber, but that sounds like a very interesting fantasy series. Kind of has a whiff similar to The Dark is Rising. No. No? Okay. Crystal, what do you think? Why would Breath of the Wild be the prime reality? Well, that's that's the, that, that's the opinion of the moment, right? That Breath of the Wild is ret- and Tears of the Kingdom are retconning the other games out of canon. But why not Ocarina is the prime reality? Because... A lot of the 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 one of the common takes at the moment is that Ocarina of Time is retconned out of existence by Tears of the Kingdom. I think it's a very fair question, not in terms of thinking of currency of games coming out, but 
thinking of the games independently, though, because if I'm understanding this correctly, in the Chronicles of Amber, Earth, which is definitely a significant world, is still a shadow. And Breath of the Wild, or Choose the Kingdom, being very significant, could still, to me, mean that it is a shadow of an, uh, a different place, which could be Ocarina of Time or, or otherwise. It could be the first Zelda. Yeah, I think it's a bit of recency bias to say that the more recent games are the true ones and not the shadows. Well, the idea is that the authors of the recent game are telling us that this is how it is. And so it shall be until they decide to change it again in future. Too late. Their work is in the public space and we can shape it as fans to our liking. I I, I understand. (laughs) I get it. Too late. I'm just... I'm I'm just describing the conversation. How does this relate to Morcock's Eternal Champion? Okay, yeah, I made a note that I want to talk about Morcock's Eternal Champion because, like, I think that the description of Amber and Chaos is interesting because it specifically reminds me of Morcock's Eternal Champion. I think that Morcock actually created the term multiverse when he was describing the cosmology of his Eternal Champion books where... There's an infinite number of universes that are each situated not in specific places related to each other, but that all exist somewhere on the balance between order and chaos. Order isn't superior to chaos, nor is chaos inferior to order. They each have their ups and downs, and a balance between them is necessary for life to exist. And it's it's just something that struck me when reading about this description of the Chronicles of Amber, because that's that's just what jumped out at me. And also, like, the multiverse thing sure has gotten a lot more popular in pop culture in the past 10 or 15 years, huh? That's right. I wish they didn't do it for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That was inevitable. I know, but then they just run into the comic book trap. Yeah, that happened. I know. We, we talked about... They could have avoided it. We talked about that in our conversation about how much we hated um, Infinity War. Crystal, did the MCU completely do Infinity War? That's right. We did. That's right. How did y'all like it? It was a poor film. It was a poor film. It was a very poor film. And you had to record two podcasts about it. God bless you. That's right. The Eternal Champion was written in 1970, and the Amber novels also 1970. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Well, again, I don't know if the Chronicles of Amber used the word multiverse in the first place, but it, it the idea of parallel parallel world theory was probably becoming pretty popular at the time. It, yes, the many worlds interpretation was first proposed in 57. Cool. So it was probably turning into a big thing in pop culture. Zoni equal aliens from Lon Lon Ranch prove me wrong. Why, why do they need cows? I don't think they need cows. Why are they abducting cows? I don't I don't know. They wanted milk. They wanted milk. And uh the milk from that ranch was like the best milk. Why'd they lobotomize a child? She was getting the way. <laughs> no, she was just very shocked at seeing goat buddy people. Do, so you're saying they are the Zonai. <laughs> I'm just following the, the argument. The motherfuckers that I shoot with a bow. Well, the Zonai as those aliens were after the milk because it was an infinite source of magical energy. Oh, fuck. That which actually- supports their harvesting of Zonite. 
I hate that that makes sense with the bullshit that we were talking about. Thank you. Thank you. Crystal, what do you think? How many hearts does the milk recover? I think that it's five per sip, except for the Chateau Romani, which uh, I think fully recovers and gives you infinite magic. That's pretty powerful. It is indeed pretty powerful. I can see why that would be worth invading Termina for. (laughs) All of that for some milk. It's really good milk. That's what it's all about. It is really good milk. So, Crystal, we listen, both of you. We are we are rejecting this idea, right? They're not they're not the fucking Zoni. I mean, they could be the Zoni. I'm not entirely removing the possibility. Okay. <laughs> I, I wish I could take a photo of Kev's face right now. I accept this. I accept this from both of you. They could auto build a spaceship. They could auto build a spaceship because they have all that leftover magic. That's why you don't. They have infinite magic. That's why you don't. That's why you don't need to get magic bottles to fill up your magic meter when using Ultra Hand or Auto Build. Because they drank the Chateau de Romani, and it just lasted forever. It's infinite magic. It's inf- Monica, please read the last email. <laughs> Put me out of my fucking misery. Hello, Book of Medora Triforce. Uh, now that you are into Tears of the Kingdom territory, I have one question. Do you think the high number of simulated Korok crucifixion rituals are indicative of a return to the traditional Christian values of Hyrule's past, or does it mean to convey a lack of reverence for its, his sacrifice? Related to this is the fact that I have yet to find the cross shield amongst many of the past hero rewards. Curious. Thank you for your time, Michael. P.S. I recently started playing Skyward Sword for the first time and decided to listen along with your episodes as I progressed through the game. Wow. Despite the fact that your show uh, included, including the Encrusted Timeline episode, I feel like I know most of the major events of the game I found myself somehow siding with Cam in terms of his frustration with spoilers. So to avoid future unwanted resentment towards Crystal and Monica, I will be completing the game before continuing further. Thank you, Michael. (laughs) Thank you for agreeing with me on this. You're my best friend, Michael. (laughs) It, It is... We do go through the games very uh, willy-nilly, let's say. I get I mean, yelled each time. You can't talk about the game without talking about the game. My, you know? Michael's a real one. <laughs> Michael's my pal. I understand Michael's frustration. I, I don't mean to spoil the listeners, but no. you should be prepared to be spoiled coming into an episode. We will definitely talk all over a game. That's true. And outside of it. You should definitely be prepared. And into other games. But and also. into other franchises, which we'll try to warn you about. But also, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael, for siding with me on this. I've gone through five episodes of this shit <laughs> where we talked about the end before we talked about the beginning. Oh, we'll we come back to the end. We talked about the end. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> um, I never tried to cr- uh, crucify a Korok. Crystal? I think the high number of crucifixion rituals are because there was that one tweet that was really popular. So everyone else wanted to do it as well. Everybody wants to be cruel to Koroks for the memes. I have, they want to get those likes. I have junctioned a Korok just to a rocket, and I have rolled a Korok on the ground repeatedly. And I've also, what was the one where it just really fell? <laughs> I couldn't get the the rewind very proper. Yeah, so. she kept rewinding and unrewinding, <laughs> trying to grab it with Ultra Hand, and it kept falling past her by like 200 meters and shooting up into the sky <laughs> and falling 200 meters and shooting up into the sky. The Koroks are fine. Her, her reflexes are not quite there for catching Koroks. 
The Koroks are having a good time. Crystal, did you ever torture any Koroks by accident or on purpose? Um, the first one on the Sky Island, when you're supposed to get him across the bridge, I, I, I bumped him, his, I put him on the front of the cart and I bumped him against the ends when, when the cart went to the other side. You're a very- Bumped pu- his little face against the edge. Oof. You're a very pure soul, Crystal, <laughs> compared to my wife. Right. It got smooshed. <laughs> it's just, you know, it was funny when the first Korok was crucified, but then people started building ever more elaborate torture machines, and it got a little intense for me. It's like the, when they have the wheels that turn and put different Koroks through a stream of fire. Yeah. Or the chicken uh, egg harvesting machines are also very scary, where they shock or fire burn them. Yeah, the, one of the things about Tears of the Kingdom is that Ultra Hand is really great, but it has allowed people to be uh, absolute monsters. I I watched some speedrunner person do very silly speedruns, and one of them was very fun, which was school bus. Get the Koroks to school. You had to make a school bus as closely as possible and then ferry like four or five Koroks to the Hatano school. And then put them in the chairs. And that was great. Yeah. Yeah, four Koroks for each, each chair. I do like uh, school bus percent. Um, Crystal, tell me if you think th- this is a reasonable thing for me to say, okay? Because this I might be going too far here. Okay. But I feel like when people were given the ability to build and do anything, the fact that the first thing they tried to do was get really good at drone warfare <laughs> is a little troubling. <laughs> What is that? <laughs> and I don't mean building little guys who run around and shock uh, Octoroks or whatever. I mean building unmanned flying vehicles that drop explosive payloads <laughs> on targets. Or there was one where it would fly over a monster base and then drop another autonomous component to do yes. ground yeah they were boss that people have started to build act like the first thing they tried to do was build actual boston dynamics shit and i found it troubling <laughs> what else would people build like it just feels different from when they try to make a mecca that they pilot around but that's what the gundam is yes i know <laughs> but it's it's not like a real world thing you could build a carousel Somebody built a car- somebody built a train. Yes. That was great. Hell yeah. The train was cool. The carousel's very cool. I really like the school bus idea. I, I like the aeroplanes. I've built aeroplanes. Um the hover crafts, all kinds of things. And you know, it, it it's obviously built for you to stick weapons on these things. But just the idea that people started making drone warfare and bombing Bacoplin weddings. Well, it's just a bit much to me. Wait, the Bopoblins have weddings? No, but that's the kind of it's 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 the kind of imagery that's evoked. Yes. Well, this is a game about slaughtering Bacoblins. I suppose that's true. Okay. It's if if you think that my reaction is a bit much, I understand, and I will act. No, I understand no. your reaction. It is a bit much. I think the interesting thing about the weaponry, though, is that the weapons are not very strong. They're kind of useful to stagger uh, monsters for the most part, but they can't be the only solution. You still have to jump down and, and thwomp most things that you come across, unless you stack, like, I don't know, 15 lasers on a head. 
People have done that. They yes. Have, they, then you go somewhere with that. They have taken out Gleox with that shit. But like when you fight Lionels, you can't, unless you really, really engineer it, make a Lionel killing machine. No, because Lionels will destroy it by roaring. Right. Anyway, but yes, uh, crucifying Koroks isn't in the text of the game. No. Link does not crucify any Korok. He, Link doesn't crucify anything. Link is kind to Korok. He is, yes. He has never accidentally dropped be. a rock on a Korok's head. <laughs> I mean, you were saying, Crystal. Everyone should be nice to Koroks. Uh-huh. That's very true. They are just little babies who want to find their friends. And, you know, play a hide-and-go-seek game and also help you. Yeah, all those things. He wants to give you an apple. One apple will be of use for the hero. Yes. A apple. Uh, apple. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think we've reached just about the end of the emails that I had prepared. So we're a little bit shorter than our usual episodes today, but I think that's okay. I think that's just fine. Two and a half for hours. Two that's and a half good, hours. It's punchy. That's a good recording length. We did it. We've, um, all, we, di- we did do the start of the game and now we're. That's right. Go ahead. Only five temples left. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna just go straight into one of the temples here at some point. We can we can talk about Terrytown and other places sometime, but let's just just go to the temples. Yeah, well, the, on the way the temples, to Gerudo, but, you know, Gerudo Town, the Gerudo Temple. We're going to go to Karakara and so on. So yes. any desert related topics, or even on the way to the desert, I guess. We t- I'll, I'll start my notes. We didn't make it to the desert. Today. No, not yet. <laughs> okay, just checking. But we got the paraglider. We did get the paraglider. We can glide now. We can glide and we don't fall down. Joshua wants you to go into a chasm, but chasms seem like a bad idea. No, they don't. We have to talk about the chasms. Actually, Fuck, we have to talk about the chasms before we go anywhere. Crystal, where can we find you online? You can find me at Arcane Crystal on Twitter and on Patreon, where you can listen to this one week early. You can find me on other podcasts, such as MCU Complete Me, where Luke and I talk about superhero movies, and on Eidolon Playtest, an actual play podcast about two teams of teenage detectives, one in 1979, one in 1999. Two campaigns, their stories interlink. I'm on Eidolon Ska. The other campaign is Eidolon Disco. Are you the detective? That's right. I'm the detective prince, Naomi Shirogorov. That's great. And you can find me on Twitter, because that is what it's called, at Cam Ryder. I don't know how much longer that's going to be a thing. Uh, Twitter does, like, I don't know if Twitter is reaching critical mass, but it seems like uh, the current CEO of Twitter is personally reaching critical mass. But wouldn't it be so funny if... Would that cause the great Twitter exodus? Or would people be like, oh, man, they're not going to get rid of the block button? You know, it couldn't be any worse. Mm. That is that is the first thing that people would post, yes. Do we have a joke? I got a joke. Yay! This comes from heresajoke.com slash Zelda-jokes. Why is The Legend of Zelda better than Star Wars? Why? Well, so many reasons, but Why? It has triple the force. Yeah. I'm having intense deja vu at the moment. <laughs> All right. Well, good night, everybody. Good night. Good mime. That's, I think, what I said. Mm-hmm.
You know, it is kind of weird we don't have the cross shield. We have the hero's sword, but not the hero's shield. Why is that? I think because it has a crucifix on it. <laughs> I think that's why. That's a good reason. And it's not that they don't even have shields as the equipment. You do get the... The hero of wind shield. Yeah. I have like seven of those in my inventory. Oh, I 100%ed Tears of the Kingdom. I wanted to... Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. 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 That was that was a big final moment as I found out the last couple of locations. It was the Daiku Tree Chasm that I did jump through as part of the game, but somehow did not register. Yeah, you have to jump into the Deku Tree Chasm twice for it to register its name on your map for some Yeah, reason. so if you are trying to 100%, please check the Deku Tree Chasm. I'm sorry ahead of time for what I'm going to do in the editing process to that congratulations. What? Don't worry about it. Oh, no. 